Hi, welcome to Healing Chronic Illness with Marley. This is season two. This season, we're going to be interviewing some experts in the field. So join us on our journey back to health and wellness. My darling people, my tribe, this is Marley. Welcome to today's episode. Listen, if you were on last week and you heard from my dear friend and colleague, Roz Light, talk about trauma and just her recovery and that whole process. Listen, uh, Roz was very impacted. She scored a 10 out of 10 in her adverse childhood experiences score, which is quite remarkable to score that high. But what's more remarkable, if you know Roz today, and where she is on the other side of that. And of course, she's done a lot of work in recovery and some of those things that she had done uh, very much impacted her uh, relationships. And when we're healing, one of the things that begins to transform and to regulate and, and things and blind spots that begin to uncover and truths that we learn about ourselves is how things need to make a relational shift in our lives. And so today I wanna to talk briefly um, with a wonderful lady who specializes in trauma, Dr. Ingrid Clay, and or Clayton, I'm sorry. She, she mentions that you can't heal relational trauma without impacting your relationships. And let me tell you, that is so friend, so true, my friends. I, I want to share with you what Dr. Clayton has uh, shared with, with us. And I just got to pass it on. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> she shares that I tried to find peace with my childhood trauma by working on it in isolation, in therapy, self-help groups, and spiritual practice. I did this in part because I tried to work on it directly with my family in childhood and it backfired. It truly made things worse. Can any of you identify with this? You're trying to break free, trying to gain solace, trying to gain freedom and, and peace and stability. But when you try to work those things out internally with those externally in your interpersonal relationships, particularly with family, it definitely can backfire. So Dr. Clayton continues to say, so I thought the solution was to continue accepting everyone for who they are and don't ruffle any feathers. While I stayed quiet, so I accepted less. I accepted the role as scapegoat, which looked like I accepted the narrative that I was to blame. Uh, using shame, as Roz pointed out last week, as a psychological defense mechanism. Why is that? Why do we take on other people and their issues and become such strong empaths? Well, because if we take it on ourselves as being our fault, we feel like we can control it. Crazy as it sounds, we do this. It is part of the human condition. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. Is it an untruth? Absolutely. So as Dr. Clayton goes on to share, she says that I accepted the role of scapegoat, which looked like I accepted the narrative that I was to blame. I tolerated and tolerated situations that made me feel terrible 
and thought I was doing the right thing. I don't think we can heal relational trauma all alone without impacting anyone else. Our relationships will need to change as we change. Some relationships will need to end. Some will need to adapt. Our relationship with ourselves can feel like a major internal reorganization. I know one thing for me with continued brain training with Neurooptimal, as those blind spots begin to become uncovered and those, uh, the light begins to shine into the files of you know, the depths of my mind and in my memories and those pages that have been disorganized and dysregulated come in to an organizational synchronized set within the files of my mind, I start to go, hmm, some of these things that I used to tolerate I'm not going to tolerate anymore. Why? Because they're toxic. They're dysfunctional. So when we're going through major internal reorganization, as Dr. Clayton puts it, it definitely is going to affect our relationships and it's necessary to move forward. We, we might, and I work with this with people too, as they train, they start noticing people within their business or family members or an abusive marriage that they start to say, hey, wait, hold on a second. I'm not gonna tolerate this type of behavior anymore. So let's go back to what Dr. Clayton says. She says, and I'm okay with all of this now because holding on to relationships just so it appears like I have them, whether it's on paper, in photos, or in my fantasies, is no longer worth my sanity and self-love. I've had to work on accepting that I deserve to take care of myself more than protecting others from the truth of their own choices. Let me read that again. I've had to work on, listen, it's not naturally uh, readily available. It does require work and that reorganization and that realization, but it requires work. I've had to work on accepting that I deserve to take care of myself. Is this selfish? Absolutely not. Is it part of our healing process? Yes, it is. That I have to take care of myself more than protecting others. From what? From the truth of their own choices. If you're anything like me when it comes to being a strong empath and looking at um, people in your life that you see that are making choices, you know, because they're grown adults, that are affecting them in a negative way. And you, in all of your battle for truth and enlightenment and wanting to help other people, because we're empaths and we have so much compassion to rid people's struggles from them and to help them, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I know for me and myself and my life, what I have done is I have pleaded with family members that I've seen making choices that are affecting them health, their health. And you know what? I love them. I don't want to see them slowly kill themselves because they're diabetic and they cannot stop eating sugar or that they hold on to things, whether it's because they're hoarders or emotionally, they're so embittered and, and victimized that they can't let things 
go emotionally and physically and to cleanse and to release all of that resentment and bitterness and um, victimization that they carry. You know, it brings me to a thought that's really interesting when I was first studying Attitudes in Health years ago about something as simple as uh, just understanding like what's kind of like the core root belief system with like diabetes. And you know what it is? It's for those people that have experienced loss or disappointment and they literally feel like the sweetness of life has left them. And lo and behold, there becomes this sugar addiction, this driving force of an insatiable sweet tooth that becomes so internally destructive and relationally destructive in this case with my family because I watch somebody that I very much love and care about succumb to diabetes. And it was absolutely treatable through diet and lifestyle choices. But for the life of me, I could try to educate, inspire, motivate, encourage this individual. But again, you can lead a horse to water. And I found what was happening was my relationship with this person that I love so much became such a struggle because, you know, to show love and honor and respect, part of that is to let them make their own choices and love them where they're at, despite the fact that where they're at is slowly causing a suicidal progression. And yes, I lost this person at a much too soon young age and you know, it's the same thing. I watched another family member not do cancer therapy because they didn't want to go through the struggle and trying to love them and honor them where they're at in that is very, very, very hard to do. But if we can naturally progress in our own understanding of shame and the own, the own things that we need to take on ourselves and own, then if we're busy doing that, stay in our own lane, we can allow others to do the same and to work out those things. So let me read that just one more time, okay? <laughs> is, is this, is that we've, we've got to just allow other people to take on their own emotional load and to tell ourselves that I really do deserve to heal no matter what and, and so do they. So my friends, be ready for allowing other people to unpack and resolve their own issues and their own trauma so that we don't feel like we can Feel the need or the compulsion or the codependent behavior of taking on other people's shame because we feel like it's our fault and that we needed to carry their emotional load because we don't it's an untruth and i don't need to do that you know why because that's between them and god that is 
their choice and I don't need to be spinning my wheels, banging my head against the wall, trying to do that for them, but I can love them where they're at and work on my own self. So my dear people, continue to move forward. Allow the layers of your healing to peel back and those files that are deep in the dark corners of your memories and <laughs> sitting in your limbic system and just brewing in the amygdala, those parts of your brain that need reorganization, allow those things to happen. And I know that if you get quiet, and I know that if you get before God and you say, search me and know me, Lord, and if there's anything that's not of you and me, Lord, then you would just take it. So if you need to pray through that today or breathe through that today, or if you're fortunate enough to have access to a neurooptimal machine where those kind of things just kind of work out on their own without you even trying and get those revelational truths in you, then the people around you are going to see that healing in you. You're going to see that joy and that light and that love in you. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to go, hmm, I want what she's having. <laughs> well, my friends, be encouraged today. Continue to discover truth and walk back through this together with the people that care about you. And I hope this is your community. And I hope that you share this podcast with other people so that we can walk this journey of health, wellness, and recovery together. God bless you, my friends. Until next time.